Welcome to Methods and Sound Presents Moving On, a five-part mini-series on the films we used to love that now make us cringe. My name is Christopher Ratcliffe, one of the founders and writers of Methods and Sound, a semi-dormant pop culture website that we've decided to resurrect for this period of extended quarantine. Joining me from the comfort of their own homes via their own laptops, because this is how all podcasts are recorded right now, are four other members of the Methods and Sound team. Let me introduce them all to you. First, we have Joachim Farncombe. Hi, Joe. Good evening. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, not bad. Good, good. Not bad. Is there anything you can recommend that you've watched over the last uh, seven days? Um, so the only thing, anything that I watched that was new to me, I started watching uh, the ITV drama Quiz, uh, which is, tells the story of the very famous quiz show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, starring Michael Sheen as Chris Tarrant. Um, it was surprisingly gripping. It wasn't great, but it was also like a real trip down memory lane about when there was four or five channels on TV and it was all odd. <laughs> my God, that show was really compelling. I've forgotten how like gripping it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you like, <laughs> in terms of drama, do you think that the dramatization starring Michael Jean is as gripping as the actual broadcast episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> Just go back and watch some old... Of, of or, any uh, episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, right? That's right, exactly. Solid yeah. gold. <laughs> how's um, how's uh, Sheenie's um, Chris Tarrant impression? It's probably, I think it's one of his best impressions. Better than Frost impression. Mm, that's pretty good as well. I think it's better than his Blair impression. Right. He's good at impressions. <laughs> he's good. At imp- he's a great impressionist. He's one of the yeah. top impressionists, isn't he? <laughs> he's like... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like Bobby a, Davro. A sensible <laughs> Phil Cool. <laughs> wow. Oh, dear. He is Phil sensible. Uh, thanks, Joe. Uh, next, we have Ted Wilkes. Hi, Ted. How are you? Hi. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well, too. Thank you. Thank We're you. very cordial. I like this. <laughs> uh, so what, I, can I, you... No, no, I don't want to know. You don't want to know. <laughs> what? What have you been watching? Uh, so I have been watching the latest series of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, which is on Netflix right now, which I've been very much enjoying because I haven't had the opportunity to catch that yet. Um, but the, 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 it's just one of those shows where you can stick it on and all of a sudden 10 have gone. So I, I, I feel that I need to ration myself, otherwise I'm going to be finished before I know it. But no, it's great. It's really, really good fun. I, I really enjoy Andy Samberg and uh, Terry Crews as well. And um, the guy who plays Roman Holt, I forgot his name, but he, he's he's fantastic. But yeah, it, cool. it's well worth watching. Okay. It, 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 oh, it, even if it's just background TV, it's great. It's a good uh, it's a good thing, show you can dip into as well. You don't need to watch it in order or anything. You can watch the latest episode, and you'll still get everything in it and be fine with it. You know. So that's for the listeners. That's Matt Owen, who hasn't been introduced yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fine. Uh, all these sound like you're very much damning it with fake praise. I feel, <laughs> but uh, but that's you know in the in the times we're in right now, maybe that's 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 uh, a positive. Uh, Catherine Thompson. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Uh, what have you been? Well, I'm all right. Yeah, no, I'm still fine. Thank you. <laughs> what uh, what have you been watching this week? Um, I dipped in, and when I say dipped in, I smashed through um, the War of the Worlds. 
So not the very traditionally played BBC one that came out um, a few months mm. ago, but the I think it's on Fox Sci-Fi, something like that. Uh, sort of French American production doesn't really bear that much in common to the book The War of the Worlds, other than the aliens. And that's it, really. Uh, but it's pretty good. Nice, like, apocalyptic. If you're in a pandemic and you want something nice and apocalyptic to watch, um, <laughs> good good array of characters. The acting is good across the board. Nice and enjoyable. Good and tense. Um, trying to think. Leah Drucker's in it. Gabriel Byrne. Um, Daisy Edgar-Jones, if anyone's been watching Normal People. That girl. Mm. Um, yeah, recommend. What um what would you say is there you know what what's the is there a spin on it what differentiates it between every other sort of adaptation of War of the World? Um, I couldn't say that it's got anything too too specifically original about it, but it just has a nice set of characters that have got their certain things going on, a nice mixture of places, half across France and half across the UK. Um, sort of if you like the first season of something like The Walking Dead. Where they're just sort of trying to get on with the apocalypse, and we probably like this. Cool. All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, finally, uh, but not leastly, if that's a phrase, Matt Owen, how are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Are you? Are you still fine? Uh, no, I've dipped a bit. Yeah, you sound like it. <laughs> I know. I really, I really came down during that whole apocalypse yeah. chat, and I feel like uh, it's going to take a lot to sort of put me back up again. So, Matt, the, if you're going to take a lot of speed before we record this, you should probably do it you know, closer to recording, so it doesn't wear off halfway through. Yeah, right? I know, but I've also been mixing it in strawberry milkshake. And not, 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 Ugh, not, strawberry. Yeah, I know, it's disgusting. Anyway, Matt, perk me back up with a with a, with a tasty recommendation. Um, we, what have I watched this week? We've done a few things. Uh, we binged um, Devs on the FX show. Did, did somebody else recommend that the other week? Ted did. Yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. Um, that was all right. That was quite good. Um, I thought it could have had a a more, not downbeat, but a, a more shocking ending. I would have... I, I won't spoil it, because I'll spoil it if I give my suggested endings away, but... Um... <laughs> you could tell us all the endings that you would have done, rather uh, than the one that... <laughs> yeah, I'd have, I'd have had one of the main characters go back to the beginning of the universe and be cursed to be God. <laughs> I think that would have been Alex, more Alex, existentially. Alex Garland is probably like, why did <laughs> I do right. that? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, oh, and also, I watched, uh, bear with me on this, I watched Dark Angel, which is a Dolph Lundgren movie from 1990, and it was great. It was really good. Um, it's kind of straight to video. An alien comes to Houston, I think it's set in, weirdly, in 1990, and he goes around shooting people up with heroin so that he can extract their uh, brain chemicals when they're high as a kite and then sell them as space drugs. And Dolph Lundgren has to stop him. <laughs> and it was I've, brilliant. I've seen it. I, I loved it. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the, in the pantheon of great Dolph Lundgren uh, films from... Uh, from the Punisher to Universal Soldier, does it? It's, does it um, it's not quite Universal Soldier. It's probably Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Equative. Well, underrated <laughs> There you go. So it, it took me back to drinking cider when I should have been at school when I was 16. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Lee's second best film is Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, guys, those were <laughs> great recommendations. Thank you very much. Um, that will pack my week full. Uh, let's move on to the uh, meat of the podcast. So in this mini podcast series, which we've subtitled Moving On, the team will take it in turns to pick a film they used to love for a brief period of time, but they've now grown out of. The other guests will then pick an element of the f- of the film they find interesting, shameful, or weird, and basically make the person who picked the film hate themselves for bringing it to everyone's attention again. Then at the end, we'll try to pick one thing each that we like about the film, if possible, and we'll rate the film out of 10 and definitively conclude whether there's anything redeemable about it or whether it should be forced to walk the plank, swim to a desert hey. island, and eventually either starve to death or use the single round of ammunition loaded into a pistol on itself. All this does is prove that I watched the film. Uh, <laughs> this week, it's Ted Wilkes' turn to pick the film. Ten, would you like to introduce your film and explain why you liked it at the time and why you two have now sadly grown apart? Well, I would, yes, please. Um, so I picked uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which is the first Pirates of the Caribbean film. And it, it was interesting kind of... Because I, I I knew that I really loved it when it first came out, and um, I I can remember watching it back on ITV4 because they did it like as an omnibus, like the whole Pirates of the Caribbean series one after the other every day, and I found myself watching them all, and it it, it was it was really interesting because they kind of just bled into this one long film, um, and and I thought I remembered really disliking the first one and then really liking the final one but it was actually the other way around. But anyway, um, and I, I kind of I started to think about why I liked it so much in the first place. And it brought me to that when I was a kid, uh, we used to go to uh, my grandparents' um, house in Cornwall for like our summer holidays. And um, I, I used to watch uh, Captain Blood uh, with Errol Flynn on, on repeat. Uh, and that used to be kind of my, my go-to film along with um, My Fair Lady and Hello Dolly. And I thought that, uh, you know, this kind of swashbuckling adventure was 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 just the best thing ever. So I think that Pirates of the Caribbean kind of awoke something about that in me again. And um, I mean, big budget fantasy action stuff is is my jam. And and I really thought that in in this you can kind of see the roadmap to stuff you know like the Marvel franchise universes and such. And I, I really I kind of I always compare it to uh, the Mummy, the the Brendan F- uh, Fraser film. Um, for this kind of fantasy uh, action element. And I, I thought that was super cool as well. But revisiting it, I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of, I, I thought maybe I do still like this, but I obviously see a lot of holes with it. And I don't know if we go into that one now or... No, please. Yeah. Um, so I think it's weird. It, it's kind of like Orlando Broom and Kira Knightley are in a different film. <laughs> and everyone else seems to be behind the idea that this is a bit of a joke except those two who they've they've kind of given another script to and when they're separate they they seem to be trying to out overact each other and then when they're together they 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 want to chew the scenery before the other one can get to it um and yeah i i I felt that was a bit of a there's this really uh when after they've abandoned jack to his fate and then they have this little scene where he wraps her hand up, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is painful to watch. Why am I? Why am I doing this to myself?" And then also as well, it, it had the reverse reverse problem of um, Police Academy, in that this act, the act one, is so long 
it's like 50 minutes long before they even begin like their adventure. And then the rest of the film is, is, is over comparatively quite quickly. So I feel that it feels a bit weighted down on one side too far. Okay, cool. Right. Well, let's open up the floor for interrogation. Uh, uh, who would like to begin with their thoughts and feelings about Pirates of the Caribbean? I think this film is actually about 15, 15 films. Uh, and they've or they had 15 scripts and they've tried to glue them together because why is this film two and a half hours long great question yeah. <laughs> why is it not 90 like 80 90 minutes of because I, I like one of one of the good things I, I thought about it was i was like re-watching it was like there's quite a lot going on in like every scene has a lot of you know character building and action that says something and in addition to dialogue which is a good thing <laughs> i think you know it's clearly been well put but it just goes on and on and on and by about halfway through i was like why didn't he just take the medallion off her while she was doing it or why didn't this happen you know it why didn't she just give him the medallion just go yeah sure yeah you go have it it's fine. <laughs> the stakes end up being quite low, don't they? I think that's the problem. It's like, oh, if it's just a drop of blood, what what was the big deal? Why are you all yeah. so terrified? Yeah, it's it. <laughs> Ted, why does this film go on forever? Why, yeah, did, Ted. why did you make I... me spend eleven days watching it? <laughs> yeah, two times as well because we postponed the fucking record. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry about all of the above of that one. <laughs> um, yeah, Gorbavinsky. Yeah, I mean, because I that's I think that that's one of the things he he is the main reason it's two films because I think that Disney presented this family fun adventure that was going to hit like a four quadrant audience, and then you give it to the guy who made The Ring, and he's like, well, no, I I want to make this horror film. And because you can kind of see some of the horror tropes that, that come through the, the bit where um, Kira Knightley is in the wall and you can just see through the crack in the, in the wall where she's hiding, um, you know, the, 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 and there's other elements of the horrific in it as well. And, but then every so often there'll just be this, this kind of jokey kid adventure moment, um, a bit like the Goonies or something. And, and, and they don't seem to marry together. There's a lot in, what you were saying just now about well, basically, like who's the star of this film? Well, yeah, it. it I mean, it, the, the and who's it, the it, main character of this film? Well, <laughs> I mean, so like we 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 kind of follow um, Orlando Bloom, like Will Turner, because he's the guy who has the the journey to go on to kind of realize who his father is, and it, you know, archetypically, um, what's his face? Um, uh, although. Uh, it's completely gone now. Jack Sparrow is kind of his mentor who propels him off onto this adventure. But then he gets all the best lines. He gets all the action. He gets all the stuff to do. And it feels a bit like everyone else takes a back seat to Johnny Depp doing his, his strange thing uh, throughout it. <laughs> What's your name? Smith. Oh, Smithy, if you like. What's your purpose in Port Royal, Mr. Smith? Yeah, and no lies. All right, then. I confess. It is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew and tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer my Weasley black guts out. I said no lies. I think he's telling the truth. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it to you. One thing I thought was like, um, when you, I was sort of having a think, it's really hard to separate 
uh, parts uh, parts parts of the Caribbean from like from the time period it was because now there's been like what 50 sequels or whatever and you've seen Johnny Depp yeah. sort of morph into this just this constant like Tim Burton movie character where he's doing this kind of stuff all the time but before Pirates of the Caribbean he hadn't been in that many things that like the general public would be really familiar with um that I you know Edward Scissorhands and stuff like that what 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 he's what uh, what's he Gilbert with great Edward like none of them were like massive blockbusters if you know what I mean and then you've got like Orlando yeah. Bloom that must have been straight off of Lord of the Rings and Keira Knightley just bubbling up into fame. And it's this real specific period where they're sort of trying to spread across these three actors they've got that are sort of coming across. But like actually what Johnny Depp at the time was like really lauded his like performance. But now you look back at it and you think, oh, God, it's just Johnny Depp, Johnny Depping as hard as yeah. possible. But at the time it still <laughs> was quite unique and quite original. So it's just... I feel like they had so many places they were trying to go. They're like, oh, we've got Orlando Bloom, famous from Lord of the Rings. Get him in there. And he's playing this like straight guy. And then you've got Johnny Depp just doing something completely different. And then it's sort of really confusing stuff going did on. Did you, Catherine, did you, did you, uh, did you, uh, could you manage to sort of separate all of that sort of post history Johnny Depp stuff? The fact that you've seen Jack Sparrow be like retrod so often like did you actually watch him in this and go oh yeah he's good or not um I think I could remember well enough watching it the first time uh, as a teenager and being like this is quite fun again it's like a billion years long so that's like and sort of enjoying his performance in that sense but now you just look back at it and it feels really tired so kind of a bit of both I think if it had been an hour and 20 minutes as we discussed I probably would have enjoyed it I felt like <laughs> scenery is really fun the location's really fun it's sort of got like pirate funness um I quite enjoyed like the little fight scene on the where they make the swords and stuff like that it's you know there's fun stuff in there but it's just so like tediously oh, it just goes on forever you need to find yourself a girl mate <laughs> Perhaps the reason you practice three hours a day is that you already found one and are otherwise incapable of wooing said Strumpers. You're not a eunuch, are you? And the other question I had to ask Teddy, of all the things that you're going to make a film about or base a film on, where does a theme park ride land in your scale of best reasons to make a film? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I always... Because it, it is a bit like... The, the film itself is a bit like a ride. You know, you're you're just being thrown around all these different turns and twists, and you're just hoping that the audience will go along with you because they they're strapped to their seat basically. Um, I think that's probably why they they saw it. They, yeah, this is a good idea. But I, 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 the the whole thing about pirate films interests me because you've turned this kind of historically like marauding group of guys who you know pillaged and plundered and raped and did whatever they wanted and now they're kind of this figure of fun um and it, you know no one's done that with you know the vikings or the romans or the cowboys it, it there's this kind of this um collective subconscious now where we're like yeah pirates they were just jaunty little drunkards who went round and 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 took things off rich people which i, I think is quite interesting do you not think that was a bit of like it was one of the things i found a problem with the film because it tries to sort of sell johnny depp as somewhere between a pirate and not a pirate so he's like he is a pirate but he's not as bad as the horrible pirates that like leave their mates on 
an island to die and stuff. But then you keep sort of coming back to the idea, subtly reminded that actually what Johnny Depp is, is does is go around raping and robbing people. Um, yeah, yeah. It makes it hard to kind of root him. And you're not really sure if you are supposed to. And then he's very, very lechy on Kira Knightley, which I think might just be like of its time. But it was like kind of unpleasant. Yeah. He is in, Johnny Depp's character does stand in stark contrast to the other like the the marauding Blackpool pirates. Mm. I was quite shocked that in the first fifteen minutes, someone gets shot in the face, like a <laughs> point blank range. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh shit, this isn't as fun and knockabout as I remember." Because uh, shit gets real and pretty dark, like quite quickly. That's a good yeah. point, though. It's like, I mean, I guess from a, a filmmaker's perspective, a pirate movie is always going to cost a lot of money to put together, right? So, yeah. You've kind of you, you probably can't finance a movie like that if you were just oh it's just full of scumbags raping and killing people <laughs> all the way through, yeah. right? Yeah. It's got to appeal to a wide family audience just to make its money back, right? Matt, you'll remember this. What's the pirate film that's famously a huge bomb that has Gina? Cutthroat Davis? Island. Cutthroat Cut, Island. So Cut, Cutthroat Island was a massive, massive, big, expensive failure, and pretty much no one made a pirate movie for what, 30 years until Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. And we count in Waterworld um, as a pirate movie. Also a failure. <laughs> uh, the most expensive flop of all time. But also um, the best flop of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but weirdly, did the reverse of Pirates of the Caribbean, where the Waterworld film didn't do very well, but has led to a theme park attraction that it's apparently very critically well regarded and has been going for years and years and it's a stunt show spectacular uh, it's like James James with the, the, the gate of the uh, arcade game with the yeah yeah, yeah. yes that's exactly right 40 quarters yeah. <laughs> 38 39 40 quarters this better be good Game over. Please deposit 40 quarters. What a rip! I just want to bring it back to the theme park uh, thing just for a brief second. I uh, I think it's interesting that the film itself has nothing to do with the actual narrative of the, the theme park ride. Apparently the producers were really uh, concerned about the fact that they'd done one the year before called Country Bears, oh. which was like an absolute box office failure. <laughs> so based shit. on a Have you ever seen right? That? Okay, no, so no, bad. but it looks it looks horrifying. Um, and apparently, after that was a failure, they decided that their Pirates of the Caribbean film should have as little to do with the actual theme park ride as possible. Um, what was the Eddie Murphy one that also came Haunted out? Mansion? Yeah. Again, um, a bomb. Yeah, I wonder if that was anything had anything more to do with the ride than this one did. Apart uh, from... No, I, I, it doesn't. <laughs> the theme park podcast that I listen to regularly <laughs> did an episode on it, and they, and they stated a that dog fact. with some keys in its mouth is about as far as you get, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> okay, I have a question, um, Teddy. Sure. <laughs> I found it very surprising how old-fashioned the film felt. And uh, and mainly that's just because I, even despite its ridiculous length and the fact it was so tedious in places, mm. but I could actually follow the plot and it was all quite logical and linear. And mm. I feel like uh, it's old fashioned because some of blockbusters are sort of now much more dense and confusing and like harder to follow. Yeah. Um, 
how do you think that you know some of blockbusters have changed since Pirates of the Caribbean and have they changed for the better or the worse or am I just an old person who doesn't like films to be too busy yeah, yeah I think that's a it's 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 interesting as well because obviously now the summer blockbuster is the next superhero movie the next Marvel uh, the next entry in the Marvel canon and I think that I mean because uh, Catherine said earlier when they when they fight you know it's kind of the swashbuckling you know two guys with a sword uh, you know across the bow of a ship and i i found that quite quaint now now that mm. i've seen you know the whole of the avengers team take on thanos uh, i'm not really i'm i'm like when does the entertaining stuff happen um and i think you know the point is as well about the narrative you know there are so many macguffins in this that they're just they're ramming it home to you that oh we're after this thing now we're after that thing we're after this thing we're after that thing and it is quite it is quite linear you can follow it quite easily do you think Whereas, yeah, um, and it, that might be part of the reason we found it really long and boring <laughs> not being funny but like yeah. you're used to like a two or two and a half hour movie having like a lot going on if you just compared it to like i don't know infinity war or something um you know you're jumping back and forth in time you going back to different movies all of this mm. not saying that that's like the pinnacle but this was just like yes a very linear storyline but then it just just like oh just another thing just felt this was like another thing was happening i know that's what's happening in all of life and movies i find it quite interesting as well that every so often there was this kind of beautiful establishing shot and and i was just like okay we can move off that now we can we can move off that now oh we're still looking at it so there's a lot of exposition in this as well though right like oh good god yes there's, all the way through this... people are <laughs> You must put on this corset now <laughs> for reasons that will become apparent. <laughs> and and the thing is, is that um, uh, Ted Elliott and, and Terry uh, Rossery, I mean, they can write, you know, they've written stuff like Aladdin, Mask of Zorro, Shrek. And then in this, I, I, you know, there's that whole, one film. Uh, yeah, it's like the ultimate mashup. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's you're like this whole stretches of conversations where people are like, oh, this is plot point A, and oh no, that's plot point A. Yeah, we need to get to plot point A, and and you're like, why, why are we having this conversation? I know that, but I mean, I suppose it is that it's it's ultimately written for kids, and mm. I I think that I forgot that going into it because I thought, oh, Gore Verbinski, it's quite horrific. It's about pirates. It's got Johnny Depp in. It's going to be something. There's going to be something for the adults as well. But it, ultimately, it it is. It's just for the kids. <laughs> um, do you think that people will still watch this? Bearing in mind, right, it's twenty years old. I don't think we've mentioned that the film is like twenty years old now, which is quite sort of startling. But mm. do you think people will still watch it in another twenty years' time? I I ask that because Razor the Lost Ark is now forty years old and it's wow. still beloved, and yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean has that same it's trying to emulate that sort of old-fashioned family action adventure but with obviously a darker gorier edge uh yeah no but do do you think people will still be watching Pirates of the Caribbean in another 20 years time I mean I because I doing the research back on this I forgot that this got nominated for Oscars and that's kind of a, a roadmap, I potentially think, to it's going to be in the, the cultural landscape or it's going to remain in the cultural landscape. Um, I, I mean, I suppose that it's the last swashbuckling movie that's come out. And until that's replaced, I think that it's still going to be seen. I mean, is it on Disney? I don't have Disney Plus. Is It on, It must be on Disney yep, Plus. Yeah. 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 So I mean if if Disney is still pushing it at uh, Disney Plus I can imagine that people will still be watching it. I think um, as long as there's uh theme park rides based on it then 
there will <laughs> it will be a uh, a franchise that can't die. I think seems to be the model at the moment. Um, does anyone else have uh, anything to ask, Ted? Yeah, I got a question. <clears throat> um, so I was I'd have thought that uh, this film has seemed to be very successful. Uh, a lot of people seem to think because of Johnny Depp. Um, my feeling was that it was kind of it was a tolerable film despite Johnny Depp. I found his performance <laughs> to be um, like this kind of weird. What's his name? Uh, Keith Richards impression the whole way through. Yeah, I just wondered if you had to reflect on that. I, the other thing I was going to say was that I find it quite sad. I think we've already touched on this that Johnny Depp used to be this cult um, hero. I think a lot of the films that he used to used to be involved with East Love and that seemed this film marked the change him turning into some kind of mainstream fool and all the the, the nasty yeah. things that happened in the last day. I thought that, that quite a sad moment and sort of mm. grown to hate him as a result. And yeah, there is a question here somewhere, but the other thought I had was the film seemed to me like it could work without Johnny Depp. You've already mentioned Errol Finn's watching you know, yeah. watching for, for like films in childhood and that Orlando Bloom is essentially that Errol Flynn character. And actually yeah. that, that was fine with Errol Flynn. Um You've got your Kieran Knightley <laughs> character, you've got your baddie pirates. Why yeah. do you need this kind of weird, eccentric, eyelined fool? <laughs> but, yeah. um, I think they... people loved him, though. That's that's my memory mm. of it, that they were, like, really taken away with this, like, unusual performance of it as it was at the time. Like, I think yeah. really... I, I agree that, like, I watched it, and especially, as I was saying, like, years of watching him do this tomfoolery, it's got really tiring. At the time, people... It felt like it was a massive risk. Like the studio didn't necessarily know what they were letting themselves in for. It's this cult hero that's kind of okay. He's done some big films. He's becoming a big star. But in terms of his how he delivered his performance, it felt it sounded what I read. It sounded like that came out of the blue a little bit, and there was a bit of a kind of they had to stake a lot on that. And they obviously they won on the back of it. But I'll just I'll just say I th- uh, I mean I guess uh, the fact that his character sustains five films like throughout franchise even until just a couple of years ago um I, maybe he was only meant to be a more of an incidental character but the fact that you know yeah i think that's like the one of the biggest things is like yeah like the whole thing's been done to death cuz like part 6 is in planning at the moment right at least but he is like he is meant to be a side character isn't he i mean he's a fun one all of the other films are all about him it's just like done to death right when i watched it i forgot again how involved he was in the in the plot and i think that he is just such an active character in the whole thing he, he kind of drives everything to the next scene when he's in it and i, I think obviously we're, we're engaged with characters who are like that but as well, I, I also, when I was watching him, I thought, oh, you know, ev- every friendship group's got this guy who just turns up and is a bit silly and we all kind of like him. And he doesn't, he's not a, he's not a hero, but he, he just kind of, he bumbles about and he's fun and it's nice. And I thought, oh, you know, I can see a lot of kind of original and different things in him that I think is just quite inherently interesting to watch. All right. Everyone named the Jack Sparrow in their friendship group. One, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, shame. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I I wanted to talk. Um, oh, and um, Zoe Saldana's in it, which what? I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She she's she's uh, she... she's the one of the two named female characters in the film. She's such a tiny part. Of it. 
She's sort of set up to be something bigger as well, right? But then clearly couldn't be asked and was <laughs> like, I wanted to do something. Well, I mean, the writing of the female characters, this is pretty terrible. Well, it is terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kira Knightley just is just either kidnapped or yeah. rescued or slapped the whole way through. I was going to ask you about it, actually, how, you, how, I, how I thought like you compared, how you felt she compared to like modern day female characters. Because there's times when they're like, tease at the idea that they're going to make her like a bit more autonomy and a bit more like of a cool character and there's a bit where she's like goes to grab a sword off the wall and then it turns out it's like useless and stuff and they're like they give you the impression they're going to let her fight and then they just snatch it away like i think she made me titter when she says she makes some joke about a corset but then really the rest she, she's just getting yeah like you say kidnapped and threatened with rape that's basically her whole character by the way yeah that's that's her whole arc and i mean it is it because i thought that it was it, i think that Again, because I watched them all back to back, the the last viewing that I did of them, I think that the the writing of the female characters gets better. And I think that I kind of retroactively fitted that to the series and thought, oh, there are some good female characters in it. And I can't remember the, um, oh, what's her name? Is it Katie something? Uh, She played um, uh, Effie in Skins. She's in the final uh, Pirates and and her her character's great in it. but yeah, coming back to this, I'm like, oh my goodness, Kira Knightley is, is, you know, this this film isn't passing the Bachelor test anytime soon. Um, I don't think that there's there's two women who talk to each other in the whole thing. I think I actually uh, looked oh, it no, up. I... If you if you are interested to know, they just about scrape it because they have that conversation about her how they're gonna escape by going around the I don't know something about some rocks or something. Oh yeah, when the when the um, when her housemaid or something talks to her. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, okay. the bit where yeah, she's but... talking to whoever must who I now assume is Zoe Saldana, the the female pirate. They have like a 30-second interchange. That's just about passes. (laughs) Scraping over the bar. Yeah, exactly. I've just got, oh, maybe this covered in redeeming features, but um, just picking up on something else that Ted said earlier about, is it, how do you pronounce the name, Gore Vabinsky? Yeah. Uh, being a horror director, well, directing the ring anyway. Um, yeah. I was, I sort of found myself at one point watching the film, kind of craving this to be like a, I don't know, an eighteen in the UK. Like, well, imagine a pirate film that was truly terrifying and truly yeah. kind of like maybe violent, gory, bloody, you know, because it would lend itself because they're pirates for crying out loud. But yeah, I think there was one bit that I thought was actually really cool, which kind of reminded me of like, um, like Harry 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 Harryhausen type uh, skeleton animation. Um, and kind of wishing it was that kind of stop motion style thing of all these pirate skeletons, like zombie pirates on the deck of the ship in the moonlight. It was actually mm. genuinely quite, quite terrifying. Um, so yes, there's a nice yeah. moments there, but not like ever really, never, obviously it's a, it's a kid's film, so never going to play out. It's just a shame that it's not like given more, uh, more scares, I guess. Mm. Well, let's, let's use that segue into redeemable features because I, 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 the one thing that I really enjoyed was the, uh, the, sword fight where they pass under the moonlight and they turn into skeletons mm. in quite a sort of nicely subtle way i thought that was uh, that was a neat feature uh, anyone else i think that like there's actually like a lot to like in the film like it's it's well choreographed there's good writing for the most part ish yeah. um is it hans zimmer did the theme Music for this? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And it's no, it's not, it's someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like um, a prodigy. Yeah, like the the theme tune is it's it's nice to have a sort of heroic theme song and there's some nice, you know, visual jokes and things for in there. It's I think it's just 
I'm not sure if it, I think it's like it's it just doesn't retain its freshness. First time you saw it, it would be great. Second time you saw it, you, I think I'd be dead behind the eyes. <laughs> um, Wikipedia says that Hans Zimmer was involved in the composing. Someone's getting defensive. He was involved. He was playing the kazoo based on a kazoo melody by Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer went to see Pirates of the Caribbean at the cinema when it came out. He hummed the theme tune once. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Uh, Catherine, do you have a redeemable feature? Oh, um, I thought they did well with. Um, I think Teddy was talking about more about the other day, looking like a set or something the other day. I thought it actually looked quite good for for its age. Like, I enjoyed the the boats and the scenery was really lovely, and uh, yeah, it, it looked quite good. And I overall, I think it's quite fun. As I said earlier, if you cut out half the movie, then I think I'd enjoy it plenty for a like Sunday afternoon yeah. with the. the Kids or uh, Joe, anything? Oh no, you did mention yours, didn't you? I don't want to go well. It's just I, I kept thinking throughout the film, like if you are on that the set of that film, which was what actually in the Caribbean on, yeah. by, or in uh, California, you must have been having an absolute blast. Yeah, I, I reckon that. I reckon it was a fun film to make, and mm. it's a shame it doesn't necessarily come across in the cast all the time. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think in general that the um that the both the the visual effects and the and the the, the kind of tangible effects I think they they hold up. Um, yeah, I think you're know, right. Yeah, I don't know. Some that of the skeletons were a bit dodgy, but <laughs> Teddy, why do the pirates have so much fucking food that they don't or can't eat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was interesting because I went down a bit of a rabbit hole about the apples. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and how Jeffrey Rush is always like, oh, I'm going to eat a whole bushel of apples and this, that and the other. And, um, you know, there's some corners of Reddit where it's been sexualized. But, you know, apples are, are kind of the motif of, of you know, life and, and temptation and knowledge. And so it's I, I think it's quite poetic, really, if, if we wanted to read into it. It could be just because Jeffrey Rush is saying it. I think that if that line was given to Orlando Bloom, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's not. It's got nothing to do with." The I plot, did but... read. Uh, a... <laughs> I did read a part about Jeffrey Rush's ca- casting, and I think the director said we didn't want to go with anyone too like good because they'd give too too much of a t- deep performance, and Jeffrey <laughs> Rush would just do it like a pantomime villain, and it would be fine because it's all it needs. <laughs> I thought he was really good in it. Yeah. He's fine. I think he is fine. It's just, yeah. The role that I found really funny was um, uh, the the Sparrow from Game of Thrones. I can't remember his name. Um, Jonathan Price as as like her dad. Yeah, oh, Jonathan Price. Yeah. He's like battling with the hand and stuff. It's very very slapstick. I did think it it had yes. some quite funny British like actors that felt really wasted. That really annoyed me. Um, Davenport. Sorry. Jack Davenport's totally wasted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you like, did you, they forgot to write them any funny lines. It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> or just, just being broadly comic and, yeah. and doing slapstick is, is enough, apparently. But like, yeah, Mac- Mackenzie Crook's really funny, <laughs> but not in, not in parts, of the, parts of the Caribbean, sadly. Actually, like, Jack Davenport is like, he's, his character is a total straight man in this, but yeah. he's kind of like 
he is a sitcom actor. He, he yeah, they should have given him funnier stuff to do rather than just be a priggish. <laughs> well, he has such uh, an air of sort of pissiness that it makes me wonder if that oh maybe he was meant to be Jack Sparrow and then they got Johnny Depp <laughs> and then he was still like ah oh, right okay but you can be the the asshole captain oh all right cheers still get paid though yeah yeah it's fine do I do I get Jack Sparrow money no okay. no 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 don't be stupid <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we should uh, uh, draw this particular section uh, to a close and uh, move on to the next bit. And what I've done here is I've made a quiz because everyone loves doing quizzes on Zoom, don't they now? Uh, it's a very short one. <laughs> and if only we're on Zoom. <laughs> <sighs> Pedant. <laughs> I, I despise quizzes on all other streaming platforms and... <laughs> Well, you'll like this one. But I love uh, Zoom quizzes. Because we haven't touched on the sequels much, so, and this one is primarily about the many sequels of Pirates of the Caribbean. The Walt Disney Company was confident enough to add the Curse of the Black Pearl subtitle to the film in case any sequels were made. The director, Gore Verbinski, disliked the new title because it's the Aztec gold rather than the ship that is cursed. So he requested the title to be unreadable on the poster. Now, there are four sequels to Pirates of the Caribbean, all with equally bland and meaningless subtitles. I'm going to go around the virtual room say one of the subtitles and you have to tell me the number i won't tell you if you're right till the end and if you get yours correct if you get yours correct you win a doubloon so i'm gonna pick you i'm gonna pick a person at a time give you a title and you have to tell me which number sequel it is so i will start with catherine Mm -hmm. you have dead man's chest Third. Say that again. Three. Third. Okay. Matt. Dead men tell no tales. Oh, um, oh that it, that's the the last one, isn't it? Is that the number, most recent one? Number five. Uh, five. Yeah. Are there five? Okay. five. <laughs> there are five. <laughs> Joe. On Stranger Tides. Um, Thor, fourth one, and finally Ted at World's End. I think that's the fifth one. Oh, Number five thing, right? So the results are. This is re- I've done a real complicated way of, uh, of noting these <laughs> down. Uh, Catherine, I'm afraid you're wrong. Uh, Dead Man's Chest is in fact number two. Oh, uh, uh, Ted, you're wrong. At World's End no! is uh, number three. Oh. Uh, however, Matt and Joe, you are bang on. On Stranger Tides is number four. And Tell No Tales is number five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be getting you gold or something. <laughs> I'd also just, uh, if you're a fan of numbers and uh, gargantuan amounts of money spent on films, uh, it's quite an interesting list here. So um, the budgets of each of the sequels and their box office are pretty startling. So Curse of the Black Pearl cost sorry, $140 million to make. It returns $653 million. So you can see why they... That's not uh, that much, really, though, is it? 
Uh, you can see why they made another four and counting sequels. Uh, number two, yeah. Dead Man's Chest, uh, which was made three years later, uh, cost $225 million, so almost double the budget, and made $1.06 billion. Wow. Uh, and that's so far just the most successful one. Uh, the third one, At World's End, cost $300 million. Uh, and the return was $963 million, And that film is the fifth most expensive film ever made. The most expensive film ever made is the fourth part of the Caribbean <laughs> film on Stranger Tides, uh, which cost $379 million. And the box office for that was $1.046 billion, uh, which is the second most <laughs> <laughs> profitable Pirates of the Caribbean film. And uh, on a relatively low budget, uh, uh, number five, Dead Men Tell No Tales, costs just $230 million and also only brought in $794 million. So it seems that we are never going to see the end of Pirates of the Caribbean films being made. Uh, so, with that in mind, let's uh, go back to the start, the origin, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl, and let's mark it out of 10. Uh, Ted, let's start with you. What do you want to give do it? You know, do you know what? I, I thought I'd grown out of it, and I was I was pretty adamant that I was going to hate it, but then I realised that I didn't actually hate it all that much. So I'm going to give it a six. Six. Okay. Fair. Uh, Matt, what would you like to give it? Um yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go with six as well. It's um, I didn't feel hornswaggled by it, but it also oh. failed to shiver me timbers. Uh, oh. It's a <laughs> it's a, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's Matt, I, I I applaud you for doing the most amount of research uh, of any <laughs> of us by throwing up a Wikipedia page of famous pirate cliches. <laughs> Catherine, what would you like to give it out of 10? Well, I'm going to give it the real definition of fine, which is 5 out of 10. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> oh. Okay, and finally, Joe, what would you like to give it? Um, if it wasn't so fucking long, um, <laughs> I would have given it quite a good score because I actually quite enjoyed parts of it. But um, yeah, I think 6 is probably about how I feel about it. Okay. Uh, for me, I it's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean... Uh, we've created this sort of weird benchmark system where we've watched more rats in police Academy. And so therefore this is blatantly <laughs> way, way better. But then I still, I don't know. I didn't love it that much. I was bored to tears by it. I did enjoy parts of it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a solid five for me as well. Now I've got a calculator here and what I've done is I've added them all together and oh no, I fucked it up already. Oh no. <laughs> Hang on. I'm just gonna do some rudimentary maths. Hang on. Plus ten, we can, can we cut, can edit this, can out. Cut this out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, yeah. Oh, this is gold. We should Honestly. be scoring this out of out of eight as well, shouldn't we, if it's a pirate movie? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Keep them coming, Matt. Listen, vamp for me. <laughs> like, I don't know why you're not hosting this. This is fucking gold. <laughs> Right, Pirates of the Caribbean has an average score of 5.6. And to put that in context of the other films we've covered, it's very much in the lead. (laughs) (laughs) Second place with Police Academy has 1.8. And then, of course, course, Mole Rats has um, 1 billion 
might know what minus one billion <laughs> there's nine digits all with nine in so well, that's very much trailing uh the only bit of business left for us to cover now is hey what we're going to watch next week uh, i believe Catherine has uh gracefully volunteered herself uh, to pick the next film so Catherine, what are we going to watch we are going to be watching not the worst batman film of all time batman forever <laughs> uh, uh yeah no it's not is it no <laughs> it's not the worst one is it we'll find, find <laughs> out next week Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great cool it will be a nice change of pace from the uh, misogyny homophobia racism and piracy of the last few weeks so uh, <laughs> thanks very much Catherine uh, that just leaves me to say thanks so much for joining us I've been Christopher Ratcliffe and thank you also to my co-hosts Matt Owen Ted Wilts Catherine Thompson and Joachim Farncombe for keeping things shipshape until next time goodbye